Well, he's got all the talent <laughs> in the world. Yeah. But his mind is never going to be there. So I agree. Anyways, are we ready? Let's we do it. Before I get into it, yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of 4.30 in the morning. This is your boy, Ben. And Pat is back as well. Execute episode 66. Well, you got it right this time. I did. Episode number 66. I've got nothing for 66. That's about as good as I could have done. So I can't think of anyone. I think uh, the Browns have a player. I think James Hudson wears 66 for the Browns. He'd be a backup tackle. Sure he's not 65. No, I feel like I would have talked about him on episode 65 if that were the case. I think he's 66. Could be 66. Yeah, he's a, he's okay. He's a, he's a rookie last year. Yeah, he's pretty solid. He's not as bad as everyone wants to talk about him being. He's not cut out. He he had to play. He had to be the backup for four different positions last year, essentially. Uh, he's probably better as a guard, but he's gonna he probably is going to be able to play right tackle. He's not a kind of guy that you want to isolate against a speed rusher, but he's going to end up being pretty good in like the running game. Mm-hmm. And he's he got a lot better over time. Like he had a lot of trouble early on, but he was playing a lot of different positions early on. And he, we didn't really know what he was going to develop into. So sure, we'll see what happens. He's a fourth round pick out of Cincinnati. I'm excited about him. I think he's going to be a good player. Ohio guy. I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, and like even during the preseason, you could tell like with his interviews, he showed a willingness to learn, and he was able to back that up on film. Hell yeah. So he, he's working with the coaches. He's doing a lot. He's in a re- relatively good situation, all things considered, because Jack Conklin should be back next year. And he's another one of those guys that was a defensive player in college when he started and converted to the offensive line later on in his college career. Because he started off at Michigan. He's a beast, that guy. He's, he's good. Yeah, he started off as a defensive tackle in Michigan and ended up transferring to Cincinnati, switching to the offensive side of the ball. So he's a raw offensive tackle prospect. But we'll see what happens. I think he's going to feature into the Browns' plan long-term. Because you need, these days you need three good tackles. Because you never know who's going to go down. Yeah. And he's got game experience at both sides, left and right tackle. He's going to be a lot better as a right tackle, especially if they scheme properly for that. I don't see him as good as a left tackle, but. See, Pittsburgh, I hope we draft a quarterback in like the third round. And we spend all our cap on offensive line. Because that's where we need really bad right now. So the question is, who's going to be out there? I, don't, I haven't looked at the free agency class yet. So. Not not a lot of good quarterbacks this year. Uh, there's one, there's one that we're looking at. I mean, we'd have to trade up to get Pickett because I don't think he'll last to, to pick number twenty, which is our pick. Yeah, twenty or twenty, won't. twenty or twenty one is our pick. He won't last. I think uh, the Panthers are going to pick him. I think there's a smaller school that has a really good quarterback that we've been looking at, but I can't think of his name. Malik some something. Yeah, I, that sounds familiar. He's pretty good. It was exciting. Uh, so we'll see. I don't know. We might look to free agency. I just, I just hope they don't spend the money stupidly because we have a lot of cap space this off season, and we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Anyways, what do you got for news, Pat? Oh God, well, how <laughs> many, how many do you have today? I have two. I did have three, but I'm not going to do the one. I, I've I'm, only got two this week as well. Sweet. I'll tell you what. I'll kick it off. My first one comes from our favorite UPI Odd News. All right. And I'm just going to preface this all. This is my worst news segment of all time. Sure. I've said this the last three or four episodes. It keeps getting worse. Now, UPI Odd News, like I said, rail car breaks away from Washington train, travels 16 miles down the tracks. (laughs) I saw this one. 
Authorities in Washington say a rail car broke away from a train and rolled nearly 16 miles on its own before being stopped. The Walla Walla County Sheriff's Office said the empty tank car broke away from the Columbia Walla Walla Railroad (laughs) train in Walla Walla and rolled to the Touche area before being stopped by an emergency responders. Touche. Walla Walla County Under Sheriff Joe Clunked, who posted the video of the loose rail car to Twitter, said the tank car reached a top speed of about 50 miles per hour while loose. My God, how did they stop it? But it slowed to about three miles per hour after rolling up a steep hill near Touche. Clunked said that the reduced speed allowed a responder to climb aboard the car and apply the brake. The sheriff's office said no one was injured in the incident. Columbia Walla Walla Railroad owner Paul Didalus said an investigation is underway into what caused the car to break away from the train. So, this type of shit can't happen too much, too often. No. Like, could you imagine, like, in that entire 16-mile span, did that not go, did that not cross <laughs> paths with, like, a main road or anything like that? It would depend, but you would think that somewhere along the way. It would. Because you would think, like, most counties have, like, a road every couple miles at least. Yeah. Going yeah. both directions. Right. It had to have crossed something. <laughs> now, there wouldn't be any train signal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You wouldn't know it's coming. That is so dangerous. Could you fucking imagine? Could you imagine being just like sitting in a car? Like, like what the hell? What the fuck is this? How did no one get hit? That's unbelievable. That is, it's lucky, but. Yeah, I mean, extremely lucky. They were saying this thing was going 50 miles per hour Dude, at one point. There's no way you're, you're, you're surviving that. Now, how does it break loose, number one? Number two, this had to have been the end of the train. This had to have been the last car. Right. Could you imagine if, like, the thing gives way, like, in the middle of the train and, like, half the cars are flying down? That'd be <laughs> right. a lot heavier. That'd pick up a lot more speed, you would yeah, think. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to stop that. You're not going to... One guy's not going to be able to jump on and apply the brake. Exactly. So, I don't know. That's, That's unbelievable. A, That's unreal. I guess Walla Walla County was on top of it, at least. I can't believe it was a county called Walla Walla <laughs> County, but... What were they doing? Just driving next to it? As I don't. It, as it was moving, I guess somebody just jumped on. Like three miles an hour, I guess you'd probably jump on. You had to be kind of agile yeah. to pull that off. But you know, maybe they caught wind of it and then they were able to like close roads and stuff. Yeah, it's probably what they were. If they were on top of it, it's probably what they did. I mean, nobody was injured, so yeah. Thank, thank the Lord. Yes. Anyways, that's all I got for that one. That's a pretty. That was good. That's unreal. Pretty dumb. Someone's, story. someone's getting fired. Someone didn't do their job. Yeah, I would assume <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. Exactly. Anyways, what do you got? Okay, I got one from AP News. Headline reads, Irish police investigate claim dead man taken to post office. Police in Ireland are investigating reports that the body of a dead man was brought to a post office in an attempt to collect his pension. The Irish Times said a man who appeared to be in his 60s was dragged into the office in the town of Carlo on Friday, propped up by two younger men. When questioned by the staff, the two fled, leaving behind the older man who was found to be dead. It's like a real-life Weekend at Bernie situation. Ireland's National Police Force, the Garda Sayochana, would not discuss details of the case, but said officers were investigating circumstances surrounding the unexplained death of an elderly male in the Carlo area. The force said an autopsy would be conducted to determine the cause of the man's death. According to the Irish Times, one of the younger men had inquired about collecting someone's pension and was told that the recipient had to be present. Oh my With God. the help of a companion, he allegedly returned the dead man's body, the newspaper reported. That is unreal. They kill the guy? 
It's not like he was just dead. No, yeah. how do they know him? Because I heard my story was different. It was the same thing, but it was covered differently. And it was like parents complaining about like their little kid was like sitting around and watching the whole thing unfold. And they were like, we think there's something wrong with that guy. Why is his leg just dragging there like that? Like He's got to be sick or something. Jesus. And it's like they're watching these two assholes drag a dead body <laughs> into the post office. Unbelievable. It kind of got out of control. It was a ridiculous situation. Well, that's basically the end of this article. Yeah. I. What kind of desperate times are going on in Ireland where... Where you need, literally need to present a dead man to to receive a pension. Well, it's unreal. I mean, you hear about that in the United States, too. Like, there was a family controversy a few years ago. This wasn't anything, like, my relatives were really involved in. But one of my, like, distant aunts was, like, trying to cash pension checks after somebody died. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, you will never, they'll, they'll never find out or something. And it's like, my <laughs> grandparents were like, you can't be doing this shit. Yeah, no shit. But... Anyways, my next one, this one, this is from KeloLand.com. That is K-E-L-O-L-A-N-D.com. And this one is out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Officer delivers food after DoorDash driver arrested. Sioux Falls resident Anastasia Elsinger got a surprise at her doorstep Tuesday afternoon when a police officer delivered her Arby's DoorDash order. In a ring camera video that's now gone viral on TikTok, the Sioux Falls police officer can be heard saying the DoorDash driver had been arrested for warrants he didn't take care of. So the officer finished the delivery. That's one hell of an officer. During the Wednesday morning police briefing, Officer Sam Clemens addressed the situation. This isn't normal by any stretch, he said. It's not like we have officers that are out there delivering food, but little things like this, going above and beyond, helping people out, that's the things that we do, and probably more often than people realize. And I'm sure he's waited a long time for his grub hub or his meal and stuff. So he was just like, well, this is just sitting here. I mean, the lady paid for it and everything. Well, she's going to wonder what happened. Paige Martin, sister of the officer, said. Now, that's all I got with that one, but. Get this man a medal. Like, what do you do? Like, exactly. That's that's always, like, the the one thing I think about. I get takeout regularly. I always sure. wonder, like, if I were to crash, what would happen to my food? You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, if I were to get arrested, would they take my food and eat it? Probably. Would I get to eat it? If, if Say I got arrested. I was sitting back in the squad car, but I had, like, a Wendy's sandwich in the bag. Would they let me eat that? I don't know. It depends, would, it depends on the cop. Would know? they take it and eat it in front of me? Pro, you know, if you have a dick cop, then sure. I don't know. but That's hilarious. Kind of funny. <laughs> it just depends on the person, I guess. I don't know. And, you know, I, I guess DoorDash kind of might attract occasionally characters that are trying to get a job that is kind of outside of the normal sure. sphere. So this guy obviously had a lot of warrants, enough to get himself arrested. Right. What would you do if your DoorDash just, like, never arrived? Um, that happened to one of my coworkers the other day. She ordered DoorDash while at work. And really? And it never came. I was like, I don't really know. I've never, I've never had that happen. Now, did she get billed for that? Yeah. She got She got she, charged? Yeah, she got charged. I'm sure she'd probably get the money back. Yeah. She fought it. But, yeah, she got charged. That's ridiculous. I'm pretty sure, yeah. She said she did. Unfortunately for her, this cop wasn't out there delivering Yeah, it. no shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a good one. That's funny. See, we're doing so much more delivery these days. It's a little, it can get a little sketchy. You never know who the hell is showing up to your house. What I what I do like is some of the restaurants they like seal the bag. You can tell if somebody gets in it. Sure. So that's kind of cool. That's kind of nice. Yeah, that is a little bit helpful. Like I had the one. It was Panera. I ordered. 
Yeah. And they set it on your porch where they wait for you in the driveway until you pick uh, it up. Nope. I hate it when they do That's that. That's really weird. Yeah. I don't like them looking at me because normally I look like death. I remember one time I ordered food from somewhere and it's like a little guy and he was like trying to get in my house, like, like looking, like trying to see what he could see. And I'm like, this is not a good idea. Do you not? I, I always go out and meet them on the porch. Yeah. And this guy is like, no, you don't need to go out. And he's like looking like all around. It was like he was trying to case the place or something. See, what we normally get is a text message with a picture. And they just be like, your food's here. They take a picture. It's kind of weird looking at a picture of your porch from somebody else. See, but... yeah, that is kind of weird. Is that what you get for like your food? Yeah. Like I'll be on the couch. I will get the text from DoorDash saying your food's here. And it's a picture of your food on your porch. And then they leave. Why don't they ring the doorbell? Social distancing? I don't know. Maybe because it's late at night and they don't want to ring the doorbell. See, Amazon's been doing that too with the picture thing. I've had them send a picture of my package, but it's at the wrong house. <laughs> I'm like, the one time I was looking at this and I'm like, where the hell is this? This can't be anywhere in my house because it's like, you got the front door, you got the side door, you got the back door. It's got to be at one of the three. And I'm like, that is not my curtain. My house is in blue. What the fuck happened? That's so funny. I, I, I got a really funny story. Paige ordered something on Amazon once and she didn't write our address correctly and sent it like five houses down. So really? I had to go over there and fucking get it. So I drove over there. You I didn't wa- walk? I, you didn't walk? No, I drove. It, it, it was probably like seven houses down. Okay. So I drove. I wa- Dude, this is this was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. I swear to God. <laughs> I had to walk up to this dude's, get to this fucking door, knock on the front door. This dude, this dude answers with no shirt on. <laughs> This dude has no shirt on. He's in boxers. He has no pants on. No shirt. He's got like tattoos all over him. And he just like, he just looks like he's just been chilling all day on oh the couch. My God. And then I'm like, did you guys get a package? And he's like, what? And I was like, did you guys get a package? And his girl that was in there, she was folded clothes, thank God. And <laughs> she she was like, is this for Paige? Yeah, I was just about to open it. I was like, yeah, she put the wrong address. I apologize. And that was basically it. But wow. I just caught me off guard. Oh my. That this dude opened the door, no shirt on. He was kind of chunky. He had no pants on. Why do you answer the door like that? Like, who, I, who answers, like, when you just put a shirt on? I put you like a suit and tie on if I'm actually going to answer the door. <laughs> like, why couldn't the woman answer the door? She was fully clothed. Exactly. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever opened a package that wasn't yours before? No. See, I order a lot of shit. And a few years ago, I had one get shipped to my house. that I, I was anticipating a package. And I was anticipating books or whatever. So I just get it. Open it. Don't look at the address. Sure. Wasn't mine. It was like a diabetic cookbook or something. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) And I'm like, fuck. What do I do? What do I do now? Because I was anticipating getting a book. I didn't think about it. Most of the time, it's pretty close. It's like yeah. your address. You can probably just drop it off. Yeah, it was like the next street over. So I go over there, I'm knocking on the door like an asshole. And I'm like, I should probably just leave this here, huh? But you got to tape it back up. I didn't tape it up. I just left it. I was like, fuck it. But we had that issue too, even like years ago. Like my mom ordered an Xbox controller and it got shipped <laughs> to the house across the street. Oh, that's the worst. And they opened it up and they came over and they're like, we're so embarrassed when we opened it up. Is this for your kids? And my mom was like, no, it's actually mine. <laughs> and I'm like, this is ridiculous. God damn it. This is ridiculous shit. 
Anyways, what else you got for news? This is another one from AP News. Uh Uh-oh. Germany. Inmates fined over prison potato mash fight. Two female inmates at a German prison have been served a hefty fine for a brawl that began with a food fight. German news agency DPA reported Wednesday that the cellmates at a prison in Augsburg began throwing potato mash at each other following a disagreement. The one woman threw an entire plate at the other, who responded in kind. The situation then escalated into a brawl in which both inmates were injured, DPA reported. The court in the southern town of Augsburg sentenced one to pay a fine of 2,700 euros, which is 3,045 U.S. dollars, while the other received a fine of 1,800 euros, which is 2,030 U.S. dollars. If they fail to pay, the women can spend another 180 or 120 days behind bars, respectively. A lot of questions with this one. First of all, I wonder if these are the two women that got in that fight that we talked about a few episodes ago over the dogs, where the one woman bit the other woman over dog discipline. Remember that? Could be, yeah. It probably is. Now, my second question is, how do they determine who's getting the bigger fine in this? Yeah, exactly. Like, maybe maybe there were some eyewitnesses and they were able to say who started the fight, who hit first. I don't know. No. As far as prison fights go, I feel like this one is about as good as it can go. It doesn't sound like anybody's really hurt. As far as we know, there's no, like, shanks being used or there's no stabbings. Like, you hear about that a lot in prisons. Yep. We got here is a food fight that turned into a brawl. I mean, I guess shanks could have been brought out, but it doesn't sound like there was. I mean, if you think about it, back in World War II, their stick grenades are called potato mashers. Maybe there's some symbology there going on. Sure. I just found it kind of funny, like, they got to pay a fine. How like, do they pay the fine? Yeah, how do they pay the fine? I can't imagine these two women that are in German prison. Now, it's tougher to get thrown in jail in the EU than it is here. Sure. They don't have a lot of savings. Probably not, no. So they got now they only got to serve, what, an extra six months? Four months. That's that's ridiculous, though. I thought that was kind of funny. That's a pretty good news story, <laughs> all things considered. What do you got? You got anything else? I'm out of news. Out of news? All right. Well, well, I do have a comment. Oh, go ahead. Now, this is something I've been observing recently. Now, we've been talking about big tech on and off throughout this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how ridiculous they're kind of starting to get. I noticed on Microsoft Windows, or not Windows, uh, Microsoft Office, Word, they're starting to suggest phrases as you're typing out a document Mm -hmm. they're starting to suggest what you should say next Mm. i don't know if you've noticed that do you use microsoft word at all no i don't have it on my computer yet okay on microsoft word they're suggesting phrases what phrase have they suggested for you to use so far but they like finish a sentence like because of this occurrence like they'll type out of this occurrence and you hit tab if you want it or you know what i mean yeah they'll like add on to what you're trying to say now this coincides with I have the Office 365 subscription. Now, I ended up signing up for this in college back when it was still really cheap if I had an EDU email. Mm-hmm. I still have it, even though it's not nearly as cheap these days. I just kept renewing it because it's like it's not going to make that much of a difference. Now, with Microsoft Office 365, you can share your subscription with up to five people or four other people, basically. Now, you would think that if they're trying to make money off of this, they wouldn't be advertising the fact that you can share your subscription because if you and I both buy our own subscription, they're making more money than me just sharing it with you. These days, all of a sudden, I'm getting a ton of alerts about why haven't you shared your subscription yet? Why haven't you? You still got four more subscriptions you can share dude (laughs) why are you not doing this give email addresses out get people on board i'm wondering what their plan is i don't think microsoft cares about making money i think they want to get as many people using their product as possible yeah so that they can program how we think yeah and they're already doing it 
And they, they might want to see what people are typing out in their little Microsoft Word there. They probably are. They probably are filtering it and monitoring it at least. But then I started to see this coinciding with the fact that they're starting to suggest phrases, which has never happened before. Sure. They're on to something. They're up to something. Bill Gates, he's a shady motherfucker. Yeah, he definitely is. He's a problem person at this point anyways. He probably wasn't at first, but, you know. He's turned into one, for sure. Some of the things that he says are like, how out of touch have you become? with everything that's going on. You know what I mean? So I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about all that. Our listeners have to hear that, though. So be wary of Microsoft Word. They could be coming out to get you. They could. And your kids. Yes, definitely. Well, the kids are the ones we're most concerned about. Yes, 100%. Anyways, on to the main topic. What do we got today? Pat, this is 100% unequivocally your episode. See, I would debate that. It seems like more <laughs> of a Ben topic. But today we're going to be talking about one of the more interesting movie franchises that I found at least in recent memory. Now, we've already talked about Star Wars before. Sure. We're going to do a Lord of the Rings discussion eventually, but this week we're talking about one that doesn't get talked about as much, but was really big in the 90s, Mm -hmm. and that is the Men in Black movie franchise. Now, you were born before 97, weren't you? Yes. Back in 1997, this was probably the first year that, like, I came into consciousness, like, I was able to, like, understand what was going on. So I was a little kid, a really little kid, but when the Men in Black movie franchise launched... You probably don't remember it launching. No, I would have been two. It was everywhere. It was advertised. Like, I think Taco Bell had a campaign with them. It was everywhere. There was so much Men in Black, like, just being seen on TV and in toys and everything. It was just like, oh, my God, this is the craziest thing of all time, basically. It was so prevalent back as a little kid. I was seeing this shit everywhere. Now, you look at this movie, and the first one was in 1997. I don't know how far the franchise ended up stretching. I think they ended up making, like, three or four movies. I think three. Didn't they have a new one, like, not that long ago? Yeah. So, it was about, basically these like spy guys and it was a great casting because you had Tommy Lee Jones who is like kind of the old fashioned kind of rough and ready guy and then you had Will Smith who was basically on the top of the world after the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air so you have these two guys together which formed an iconic duo because they were kind of different guys but they worked really they, they played off of each other really well and these are two really good actors like I mean these are this is the tippy top of the A-list we're talking about sure You bring these guys in in this spy story about aliens interacting with Earth, like living on Earth and everything. Yep. So, I don't know. Have you ever seen the movies before? Yeah, definitely seen the first one. I've seen the first one. I don't think I've seen the other two. I don't think... It's a pretty good movie. Yeah, it's really good. So, we're going to be talking about this franchise, I guess, today. Well, a lot of people don't understand or know that the Men in Black movies were based on true stories. According to some people. So, basically, when you watch these Men in Black movies, you're going to see spies for a government agency we think but we don't really know that for sure that go out and they ensure that people that interact with extraterrestrials don't have the memory of it basically they'll use like the pen like mind wipe citizens that witness something or something of that degree to the point where they can't definitively say what they saw Mm -hmm. so as Ben alluded to, the men in black as a movie franchise were inspired by events that are pretty much true Supposedly true. Supposedly true. But some pretty compelling stuff to suggest that they're true. Okay, so going with that, Ben, would you like to tell our listeners what the real men in black seem to be about? The real men in black are supposed men. Now, these men appear unannounced and they're normally dressed in black business suits. Now, <clears throat> sometimes they're wearing hats, sometimes they don't. Yeah, it kind seems of, like... Kind of like a black top hat, you know? Like a, like, like a fedora. Yeah, sure. Now, most of the time, they claim to be government agents, 
but these men in black, they often harass and even threaten anybody who witnessed a UFO or has any evidence of a UFO, yada, 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 pictures, film. Now, not only do they threaten witnesses, they also threaten, like, researchers and stuff like that. Yes. Now, some of the men in black might even be aliens themselves. What do you think about that, Pat? Well, as we get into this a little bit, we're going to find that there's a lot of speculation as to who the hell these men in black actually are. Now, I've got some stories that have been backed up by declassified documents that prove that, at least in some encounters, the men in black that were seen were actually government agents. Mm-hmm. The one that I'm going to talk about at some point is a British Air Force, Royal Air Force sergeant was sent to go investigate a sighting that some girl was having. Was this in Ireland or Scotland? I, it was in 1962. No, yeah. it was in England. It was in Somerset, England. Oh, okay. But that one was decla- in declassified documents. They were able to verify that it was an actually an Army sergeant or an sure. Air Force sergeant that was being sent there in plain clothes. Mm-hmm. A black suit was what he was wearing. Right. To go kind of just screen the witness and see what was being said. But as we get into this, there's the speculation as to who these people actually are is all over the place. Nobody really knows who these people work for and yeah. where they're coming from, who they're reporting to. And it seems like they have a lot of power. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too, is, like Ben said, nobody knows who they're working for, who they are, but they seem to be popping up in situations where somebody has either a really good eyewitness account or most often, at least in what I've been researching, physical evidence yes. of a UFO, and they show up and confiscate the evidence or threaten yeah, because it seems like they have some sort of standard on who they pop up to. Yeah, it seems like it's always the good ones. It's not like asshole down the street. Like I feel like you're not yeah. gonna get the men in black encountering you with your see what's what's with weird your witnessing. What's, what's weird though is in a lot of my research, these witnesses, the, the people that are getting you know harassed harassed by the men in black, their sighting has to mean something, right? Sure. Most of these people, what they see is a pulsating light. Interesting. A lot of times, and that's what I saw out my window. It was it almost it reminded it was almost like a heartbeat. Now, did the man in black interview you afterwards? No. Interesting. They might have not. Maybe they. And what's also really curious to me is in some of these cases, the witnesses don't tell anybody. They don't tell anybody about the sighting, but still the men in black show up. Yes. So it's like, how do they know about it? How do they find out about it? That is a really interesting situation. Now, do you have any cases specifically that you wanted to get into? One that really caught me. Now, this, is, this isn't this is necessarily like a UFO sighting. Sure. But have you ever seen the Sally Firth Spaceman photo? I can't say that I have, but I probably have. You definitely have in your research throughout your life of just, you know, checking shit out. Sure. I'm going to show you a picture of it, and we'll post this to the page as well. Awesome. So this is... I'm sorry, not Sally Firth. Solway Firth. Spaceman photo. Okay, yeah, I've seen have this Have you one. seen this? Oh, yeah. So, I've seen this before as well on, like, you know, just looking up, like, supernatural videos on YouTube and stuff. This yep. one always pops up. But there's more to this, the story of this photo. Really? And it kind of kind of caught me. So, basically, the, the dad who took this photo of his daughter. So, what this is, basically, is you have a little girl in a field, and it's just a plain blue sky with a couple clouds. Sure. But over her head in this photo looks like this weird spaceman-looking thing. It look, kind of looks like he might have a helmet on, and he's wearing 
wearing all white. You can't really tell what it is. It looks like I'm a human being, maybe. Now, do we have a date on this? Not on this, but I could probably find out. Okay, it looks like it's like the 70s or something. Yeah, 60s or 70s, I would, you know, based on what the photo looks like. And it looks like an astronaut. It looks like... Yeah, like an astronaut. astronaut suit. Sure. Now, this photo was fully authenticated by Kodak Company. Okay. So this is a full authentic photo, was not tampered with at all. Sure. Jim Templeton was the guy that took the picture. That was his name. Okay, I gotcha. Now, not long after this photo kind of went public, Jim Templeton was visited by two government agents who referred to themselves as number nine and number ten. They demanded to see the site of the photo and question Templeton about the event. Now, another common thing about these men in black with their witnesses is they absolutely grill the shit out of some of these witnesses when they ask them about what happened. Yep. They want every itty-bitty detail. I've heard some interrogations lasting as long as like 40 minutes of nothing but... Yeah. Questions. Yeah. Now, when Templeton told them that he didn't see the figure personally, the men became angry and stormed out of the field, never to be seen again. Templeton was later contacted by two employees at the missile launch pad in Australia who claimed they saw two figures that resembled the man in the daughter's photo on launch pad security footage. Apparently, the missiles at the site in Australia had been produced only 20 miles away from the field where Templeton took the photo. So that's pretty crazy. There's a lot going on with that. There is a lot. Yeah, there's a lot going on with it. Really cool article from the Thought catalog is where I got a lot of this, a lot of my information from. Okay. And like Ben mentioned, that's a very popular photo. Like I didn't notice it on the description, but having seen it. Right. It's one I've seen plenty of times before. I've never dived that deep into that story before. Me neither. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good breakdown. And again. And the fact in like, like the men in black, they show up in sometimes not having to do anything with UFOs. The first time I actually heard about the men in black wasn't in context with the UFOs. It was with the Mothman. Remember the Mothman? Yeah, the Mothman. That was going on in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which sits on the border of West Virginia and Ohio. On mm-hmm. the Ohio, I think it's the Ohio River. Sure, down there. I think so. This would have been back in the 60s was when the Mothman was being sighted regularly in that area. And the men in black were on scene investigating witnesses that were seeing the Mothman. Now, obviously, that whole thing culminated with that bridge collapse where the bridge gave mm-hmm. way and I think a bunch of people died. Mm-hmm. And Mothman was seen flying back and forth across the river during the bridge collapse. But it's really weird how the men in black kind of pop up in that context as well. Right. Interesting. And, and to add to that real quick, there's a similar sighting of a similar Mothman-like creature during the remember the nuclear meltdown in Japan. There was a similar creature being sighted in Japan prior to that. Mm. And this was only like 10 years ago at this point. And the men in black were also witnessed on the scene during that one as well. No shit. As I've been getting into the men in black more, I kind of think there's a supernatural side to them. Yeah. But I got one story I want to share real quick, if you guys don't mind. Sure, go ahead. Now, this one, the story I got from the Pulse.one, which is a website that just covers a bunch of random shit. Now, I had seen this article alluded to on Reddit called High Strangeness, which is kind of a community where people talk about really weird shit, and it's kind of bounce ideas back off of each other, basically. It's one of the more socially acceptable subreddits out there. Reddit is a complete cesspool. It's one of the worst websites that have ever been created. Mm Mm-hmm. But this one's pretty good in terms of people just having a decent discussion about different topics. Now, this article was linked a year ago, and I clicked on the link as I was doing my research. The article that it was linked to was completely taken down. So I had to do some backdoor searching to find the article, and I was able to find it. And I was able to find it on the Pulse.one. Now, this talks about a men in black encounter with a person that we've talked about on the show before. Hmm. Do you remember back on episode number 53, we were doing the remote viewing discussion? Yeah. Do you remember Ingo Swan's name popping up? Yes. Ingo Swan was kind 
kind of the focal point of that entire episode. And he was a very talented remote viewer. He claims in a book that I don't know if he wrote or he commentated a lot on, like kind of was like his life story basically. He claims that he had an encounter with the men in black back when he was working for the Stanford Research Institute. Now in Ingo Swan's story, basically, I can't remember what the timeline would have been. It probably would have been the 70s. He was working with the Institute on remote viewing. But this was before it got co-opted into the army. So this was back when he was still in Stanford, which would have been in California at the Stanford Research Institute. He was approached by a man who that he identified as Mr. Axelrod. Now, it's not clear if Axelrod and Ingo Swan knew each other prior, but this guy got into the facility. Now, this was a top secret research institute. They needed the highest security clearance to even get into. So Axelrod somehow had the security clearance just to wander on in and approach Ingo Swan. And basically, without really alluding too much into what was going on, Axelrod was like, hey, Ingo, I need you to come with me. We got this thing that we need you to, we need your help investigating, basically. Ingo agreed eventually to go with this guy. As they walk out, they're met by two guys that Ingo Swan described as twins. We don't really know if they're twins or not, but they were similar looking, tall, blonde guys, black suits, very military-like, but no distinguishable military credentials, just in the, like, the men in black, basically, two tall, blonde guys. Mm Mm-hmm. And had kind of the aurora of the men in black, kind of quiet, stoic, kind of in charge of what's going on, but, you know. Sure. So, you got Axelrod, you got Ingo Swan, you got these two men in black guys. The four of them get on a kind of a private jet, and they start flying. And Ingo's like, well, where, where are we going? Where are, we guys, where, where are you taking me, guys? And they're like, it's best for you not to know. It was their response to where they were going. Now, Ingo Swan was able to look out the window a little bit and kind of estimate where they were going. He thinks they were flying due north along the west coast. And he thinks that they landed in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Now, this would have been kind of, you know how Alaska kind of juts down a little bit? Yeah. This would have been on, like, the British Columbia border, essentially. But they ended up landing in Alaska, and they get out of the plane, and they start hiking and hiking and hiking, the four of them. And it gets to, like, nighttime. I think, I think they even camped out or something. And then the next day they wake up, and they're near this lake. But this lake is, like, there's something really weird going on with the lake. Like, English Swan describes it as, like, a weird color, like a purple color. And then as, like, day breaks and it starts, like, the fog starts to rise up, it starts changing color more and more. And then Ingo realizes that there's a craft out there, like a UFO-type craft, hovering above the lake. And it was, like, translucent at first, but then it starts to, like, take, like, a more, like, solid shape. So then they're watching this, and there's, like, a, there's like a thing going on, like, around, and it's, like, blasting off, like, lightning bolts or something. Mm-hmm. Now, this article gets kind of weird as to how the hell, what the fuck was going on. <laughs> but according to the men in black, they claim that whatever the craft was, it had heat sensors, and it was, like, blasting whatever it could sense heat from. So they claimed it was, like, like shooting like lightning bolts at deer or something. And according to the men in black, if Ingo Swan moved too much, it was going to detect them and blast them too. <laughs> so they're out here, they're watching this thing and Ingo Swan has no idea what the fuck's going on. And eventually like it kind of gets out of control and it starts flashing more lights and it starts to go on haywire basically. And then they all decide just to start running. So they start taking off, <laughs> bolting it back away from this thing. And like at the tail end of it, he could notice that like the lake, like it started like, like a waterfall basically like shooting up into the craft. So, like, water was, like, going up into the craft somehow. So then they run and they hide, and then after a while, one of the men in black kind of gives the all clear. So Axelrod is like, Ingo, what did you sense from all that? Because Ingo was known as a remote viewer at that point. Mm Mm-hmm. And Ingo was all upset. He was like, I didn't sense anything because I wasn't dude, I wasn't remote viewing the situation. I wasn't <laughs> using my proper techniques. Right. You can't expect me to remote view under these types of circumstances where I think I'm going to move and I'm going to die, basically. Right. And they were like, really? So you got nothing? So he just wasted this entire trip, <laughs> trip basically. And Ingo was like, well, I sensed that that thing was unmanned. He said it was a drone, an unmanned drone. Uh-huh. 
And he said, obviously, it's gathering up water, was all Ingo Swan said about the whole instance. So they wow. end up taking him back to the, the Bay Area to drop him off the airport, and he never saw Axelrod or any of these other guys ever again. Hmm. That was the end of the story. Interesting. But it's funny that Ingo Swan, one of our favorite people on the podcast, had his own encounter with the men in black. Obviously, that's it really pretty didn't, funny. It didn't really affect him too much, but... Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Kind it's, of a dumb it, story. <clears throat> it's weird. Like sometimes these men in black cases, it's sometimes they're trying to get information out of these people and try and take and hide whatever evidence they have. Or sometimes it's almost like they're observing reactions. Yeah, that is true as well. When you mentioned how the Axelrod, or whatever the hell his name was, he was able to get into that into that building. Yes. Like I said, they have a lot of power, it seems. I mean, in that thing you told me to watch on Netflix, Yeah. they had the power just to walk on a Navy, a Navy battleship. You remember that? Yeah. In that the story, uh, they were out at sea and they and they saw a craft and it was basically following the boat and they called back into their command and they said come to shore immediately. So the U.S. Navy ship docked. They were told that they couldn't leave the boat and these two men walked on the boat and they literally confiscated everything. And these men got like you know they got photos and film of this craft that was sure. following them. Yep. They confiscated everything and they investigated and drilled every single one of them on that boat and then they were never to be seen again and they were told that you cannot say anything and they threatened them and yada 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 only a couple guys came forward like years later to tell them about the situation and what's funny is thinking back to this now on an episode i can't remember what the number was it was like aliens part eight or something sure i talk about an incident in antarctica where something happened with these scientists where they got kind of cut off from the main group for a while Mm mm-hmm and when they came back, they were, like, basically given a gag order because they were working in, like, an underground base, supposedly. That was, like, an alien-human co-opt. And when they were brought back, they were debriefed by these random guys in just, like, random black suits. They completely didn't fit Antarctica because, like, where the hell could these guys have possibly come from? Because everybody <laughs> out there is, like, in survival gear, basically. Yeah, no shit. They're either military or part of the science team. There's not a whole lot of room for extra tag-alongs in Antarctica, the most isolated part of the world. Right. And these guys in suits were just there in charge of the situation and debriefing them. Like, could you imagine <laughs> seeing these guys in, like, black suits just walking out on the ice? It's what they, that's what they said that was happening. They said it was it's just unbelievable. These, these guys in black suits with no distinguished credentials that they could notice at least. Right. Kind of running the show. It's ridiculous. They, it makes you kind of think that they're not human. That yeah. That they could be alien. See... I think there's a little bit of everything going on. I don't think that's exactly one group going on because I've been trying to come up with the explanations. Now, I have I, a couple theories. Let's get into the theories. I guess all the stories are kind of similar. Like I was going to do one about this guy named Robert Richardson real quick who crashed into a UFO. <laughs> and I this, think happened, I've seen the... this one happened in July 1967 in Toledo, Ohio. So not, not far from us. Yeah, he claims that he crashed into a UFO. And he reported it, but it disappeared. Like, upon him crashing into it, the UFO actually disappeared. Mm-hmm. So he reported it to the cops. They went out and investigated it, and they couldn't find any evidence of the crash. They were like, don't worry about it. Basically, if nobody got hurt, don't worry about it. He went back a second time and found a piece of metal. And a couple of days later, us, the men in black showed up. And they were like young and kind of friendly kids that asked him some questions, but didn't really bother him and drove off in the black car. And then, like, a week later, different men in black showed up. Yeah. And they were a lot rougher with him. And they asked him about the piece of metal. And he said, oh, it got sent for analysis, which he was bluffing at the time. Sure. And these guys threatened his wife. Yeah. 
and they're like, your wife won't be pretty if you don't give up the medal or something, something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, something weird like that. And I don't know if he ended up giving up the medal. I'm, I'm assuming he gave up the chunk of metal after that. Probably. Like he, they called his bluff, and he ended up surrendering it. But it's always tracking up these evidence, tracking evidence, like trying to find and confiscate these little pieces of whatever. Right. Now, could this guy have made up the story to cover up the fact that he ran over somebody and was hiding a body? Sure. But it is kind of a weird story. Now, back to the theories. We're going to be talking about theories. I do have one more quick story. Uh-oh. Okay. It's, it's quick. Okay. Now, you told me about the above top secret site. Yes. Did you ever do any digging into the men in black on that site? A little bit, not a lot. So we all know about the hotel footage. Yes. If you go on YouTube, you can find on BuzzFeed, their BuzzFeed channel, you can find a video where they have a video of two men in black walking into a hotel. Yes. Which it's it's pretty good. It's pretty cool. It's pretty yeah. it's pretty crazy. No, watch. it could just be two weird looking guys in suits with briefcases walking in. But sure, only one of them had a briefcase. Only one I think. Okay. But it looked it looked weird. You don't yeah. really see that very often. Yeah. Mind you, I don't know if this video is fake or real, yada, yada, yada. But it's pretty crazy video. And basically this guy, he works at a law firm. And in the video, there's uh, his co-worker here. Her name's Nicole. And this is a security footage video of inside the building. Sure. And it's around lunchtime. Now, this guy is taking a video on his phone of the video on the computer because they're not allowed. Because it was an investigation gotcha. going on at the time. They weren't allowed to, like, send the video anywhere. Yeah. So he was recording it on his phone, and he was, like, kind of freaking out because he was like, I have to take this footage of this. Like, I have to show somebody. I have to send this to somebody because some weird shit is going on right now. This girl was missing for, like, two days after this event. Oh. Anyways, her name was Nicole, and this is in Anchorage, Alaska. So we have our theories about Alaska. Yeah. So this is in Anchorage, Alaska, and it's around lunchtime. Nicole is at the desk, and one of their other coworkers goes up, talks to her for a minute, yada, yada, there's no audio. And he leaves, gets his coat on, he leaves. And it's lunchtime. She's the only one in the building. All of a sudden, this guy walks in, tall, bald. He has, like, no facial expression, no facial hair. He's wearing a black suit. And he walks in, and he walks in, like, Almost kind of like a robot. Sure. Then he starts talking to Nicole, and Nicole like kind of kind of seems like she doesn't really want to talk to this guy. It looks like she she's telling him to get out. All of a sudden, she pulls out the gun, a gun from under the counter, and points it at him. Oh boy. He does something weird with his hand. It's kind of hard to tell in the footage, but the footage is honestly kind of clear. Pretty good footage. And she all of a sudden like goes into this trance where she just puts the gun down on the counter. She leaves it on the counter. She gets like a camera or something from her purse. Leaves her purse her phone everything she walks around the counter and she walks out the door with the guy and she is she wasn't seen for like two days after that well now we know what mace windu has been doing <laughs> since he got cast out of the chancellor's office during the order of 66 right but it was just weird it's almost like the guy was just like controlling her mind somehow and he, he used the jedi mind trick yeah pretty crazy pretty that crazy is, i gotta look that one up now and and the, and the guy that posted the video did some further research now he couldn't find much on the investigation into the missing girl sure but there was a news article that said a girl had been found after two days after a mysterious disappearance that's pretty creepy yeah pretty freaking crazy. so it kind of looks like this one happened or yeah if like, it didn't it, happen it was a it, very well it was done a hoax very well done hoax yeah you should definitely look that up i'm gonna have it. to now, on to our theories yes, about let's get what into the, the hell theories. these things could be. Number one is that the most prominent one is that they're a secret underground government agency. One that's not very well known. 
Even Bill Clinton said that there's a secret government inside the government I have no control over. Well, that's been talked about forever, and that's the dumbest thing that a lot of these establishment-oriented people talk about, is they keep like acting like the government actually gives a shit, and acting like there's nothing beyond what is the visible government. You know what I mean? Sure. And that just drives me insane, because it's clear as day, and it's been talked about forever. Even Bill Clinton talked about it. Mm-hmm. Woodrow Wilson talked about it at nauseum. Reagan talked about it. Nixon talked about it. Kennedy obviously talked about it, and they got him killed. So there is Literally. a lot going on behind the scenes, and if you look at these budgets, like how the hell these is the defense... Black budgets, yeah. Well, how does the defense department lose two trillion dollars right the fact that people aren't more skeptical of what's going on with the government even today is baffling to me like how can people pretend that there's no problem going on how gullible do you have to be just to take it all at face value so i would say yes a big part of what is being seen or at least a part of what is being seen is actual government agents investigating people that saw something they shouldn't see and trying to make sure that they didn't talk a lot of times that could be secret government tests that people were just kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time and they witnessed something you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i'd say that's part of it sure now, I would argue that it's a very small part of it, probably. But even like I alluded to earlier, there was that story in 1962, that girl, her name was Anne Henson in Somerset, England. Uh, there was a Royal Air Force officer that was visiting her after she was seeing UFO footage. And he visited her on several nights and kind of like watched together to see what was going on. He was odd, though. He didn't say much. He didn't he, talk. He, he didn't really talk. He didn't have any type of emotion yeah. Or anything like that. In declassified Air Force documents, they talked about that case and declassified British documents. Mm-hmm. And they confirmed that an officer was at least sent in on several occasions, fitting the description of what she was, the person that she was working with, basically. Obviously, if you look at that, pretty good evidence that the government was doing something along those lines, or at least if they weren't doing it, they were trying to cover for it. Now, a lot of people speculate that the men in black are actually aliens themselves, which kind of sort of fits the description Especially when these weird-looking people are showing up that don't really seem human. I feel like they're the ones that are observing. Yeah. Just look at reactions. I don't know. Some of them are described as, like, demonic or supernatural. This is just a theory. I feel like Aliens, the Council of Five, I feel like they're running a lot of the show of just about everything. Sure. And I feel like these men in black, they have alien agents, but they also utilize our own agents here of the government. And they... I feel like there's a select people that are doing their bidding. I don't want to say employed by aliens because it doesn't sound right. They're out there doing that job for the aliens. And there's also real aliens doing it as well. And that's very interesting because that's what a lot of the secret society people that combine secret societies of today with ancient aliens from yesterday. Sure. They kind of combine the two of them and allude very similarly to the kind of thing that you just described. Now, what I kind of think is going on with the men in black as well, along those same lines, is that they've been around for a very long time. Yeah. Because, like, you hear a lot of stories of, like, weird people shrouded in black, like the black cloaked assassins. and the. Mm-hmm. It's been around for, since history has been around, basically. These weird shadowy characters in the background that seem to be con- conspirators but are never the face of anything. And there are different authors that I've read that have kind of combined those stories with the men in black of today. And the one guy, William Bramley, wrote a book called Gods of Eden that I've talked about before on the show. He talks about how during the Black Plague, back in medieval times, there was always or relatively frequently witnessed people on the outskirts of town shrouded in black with sickles kind of like a grim reaper 
mm-hmm. and they would like hack at the crops, but the crops wouldn't fall down. Like it looked like they were using a sickle to hack at the crops. Now people looking at that through a modern eye were like, oh, well, they were spraying the cops, the crops with something, and that whenever these people showed up, a bad case of the black plague broke out afterwards, immediately afterwards. And there are people that tie those stories in with the modern day men in black somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how, but there was another interesting theory on that site above top secret some of these men in black they look almost like they're dead okay like they're like extremely pale yeah they have like no facial features they have no hair this one guy theorized that the aliens are like somehow using like dead people in like kind of kind of like Re- know, reanimating them yeah kind of like the in fury from harry potter how a witch or wizard magically uses a corpse to do one's bidding you know sure i don't know that guy had guy on that site had that had that theory i was like eh i don't know maybe a little far-fetched for me see i would be more in line with them being like androids sure they're trying to create like a passable human biological thing like i had my one encounter back when i got really into research yeah you you yeah that's right pat was visited by the men in black i don't know if they were actually the men in black now the i guess a similar part was the kind of the old-fashioned clothing i guess but it was a younger guy that visited me back when i worked in retail and he was talking about like he was trying to do something where he's trying to like copy newspaper or something or he needed like a frame for newspaper it was really weird it was like really like old-fashioned questions that he was was asking me and when i was talking to this guy like he did not seem normal he was taller than i was i'm at least six feet tall this guy was probably six four mm-hmm. and i remember him just kind of like shabby like weird clothing he was like shaven but not like, completely like he had a little bit of stubble going on and it was just kind of like twitching and weird and he was asking me these questions about this product that i had never heard of now very much like an office supply store so who knows sure. what the hell we we have people coming in asking for everything across the moon basically and it's like no i don't think we have that kind of thing and then he just kind of like bolted out of the story like okay thank you kind of twitched and then like took off really quickly and it was just really weird it was like what the hell was that yeah a, a lot of cases have said that they sound almost like robots yeah it was just it wasn't it was just weird it was just yeah. like really weird questions weird behavior everything was weird about it. there was nothing normal about it well what's funny is that tim back when he was in college he was working in one of the shops that was out in like the middle of a field in the middle of nowhere and he was the only person in the shop that day just kind of cleaning up or whatever and he had the the garage the shop door open like the garage door type thing open and he said that some guy in a weird trench coat walked by like really quickly in like a kind of a robotic stance and turned into the thing and looked as like mid stride was just like hi held his hand up like really strangely and just took off and it's like where the hell could this guy have come from like you're not going to take this <laughs> the place where you just like take a walk across the field through the shop basically dude that's the men in black bro and it happened like within the same it would have been within the same time frame as my encounter and i had a second guy that was kind of similar he was asking me about staplers like but he kind of like avoided a bunch of people that came straight to me now this guy was at least dressed more like a men in black more business suit Mm -hmm. hat glasses asked me weird questions about staplers and then just kind of took off after that this would have been within the same time frame as well so i had two different ones Wow, that's crazy. Again, I don't know what they were doing because they didn't ask me about what I was what I was researching. And then you're just kind of like scoping me out, basically. Could have been because we got me and Tim got kind of deep into this research for a while, where we were we were starting to connect some dots because I was studying history at the time too. So I was able to like look at everything through a history lens, through mm-hmm. ancient history. And I was like, this is starting to connect a lot of questions that keep getting brought up in history class. This alien shit is starting to answer some of them. Mm-hmm. Or at least put them in a better perspective, basically. So, I don't know if we really encounter the men in black or not. I'm convinced. I don't know. There was one theory I saw real quick. 
Have you ever heard of the Tulpa? T-U-L-P-A. It is a, I think it's Tibetan. And I heard about this on the last podcast on the left, but I can't remember if they were talking about the men in black on this episode or not. But the Tulpa is a Tibetan kind of a story from like ancient Tibet about these entities that are a creation of a collective unconsciousness, meaning unconsciously a whole bunch of people believe that this thing exists. And through the energy of that collective unconsciousness, it actually does exist. It, like, manifests? Basically. Okay. To the point where people can, like, interact with it, and it becomes its own thing. Because they've been created by the collective unconsciousness. Enough people collectively unconsciously believe that it exists, therefore they do exist. And they're kind of, like, fucking around with our psychology, basically. Yeah, maybe. Now, whatever episode that was on the last podcast on the left, they get, like, super deep into this Tulpa shit. I'll have to look into it. And it's scary. It's, like, straight demonic shit. I kind of think there's an occult aspect to it, too. Because there have been different stories where the men in black have popped up when when people have gotten kind of too deep into their occult research. And they kind of stumbled. There's a point in occult research where it stops being kind of weird and you start getting some like real serious shit. And I've heard it alluded to as the veil before. Now, I don't know if that's somebody's, if that's like a real term or if that's just somebody, what somebody's describing it as, but it's like, you go so far and then you start to actually like recognize like true shit, but it's very difficult to get that far. You have to do a lot of things right mm-hmm. because I think the occult too is, a, is designed to distract. So it's like you, you wander down a path and you get kind of distracted by something else. And then you're kind of torn off from where the truth might exist. And there have been stories where people have, for one reason or another, stumbled upon an answer to a question that they shouldn't have stumbled upon. And then basically the men in black show up and try to push you away, basically. Interesting. Now, what do you think these guys are? I think I can get behind a theory. So you know that little note each president leaves the incoming president? I've heard something about that, yeah. Yeah, every president leaves a little note for the incoming president. Nobody knows what is in this note. And other countries have this same for same sort of thing. Um, I know in the UK it has to do with like nuclear codes and stuff, but it's still a secret letter that they do not open until it's needed, I guess. But in the United States, the, the president leaves a little note on the desk in the Oval Office for the incoming president, for the new president coming in. And nobody knows what this note says. I, I kind of think that this little note says the same thing every single year. And it's just another way of the president saying, hey, aliens are running the show. Just let them do their thing. And yeah, I, I wouldn't I, be surprised. I, I think these men in black are a combination of government agents, alien agents. So I think that that's, they what are, I, that's what I think they could be. If they are government agents, I think it's a multinational thing that the military doesn't have control over. Yes, because you see sightings of the men in black all over the world. Yeah, and then to add to that, Project Blue Book even had declassified documents come out where the Air Force was inquiring about who the fuck these men in black were because they were getting reports about them. J. Edgar Hoover wanted to know about it. Yeah, but they couldn't. They couldn't figure out who they who they were. Nobody yeah. ever actually claimed them. Yeah, nobody. Nobody's ever claimed them. That's another thing too, and it kind of just shows how disorganized the government is because everybody thinks the government communicates with itself. These agencies don't have to communicate with each other. There is no stipulation saying that the CIA and the FBI are in communication with anything unless they have common goals in whatever mission they're going on. And there are also points where agencies will actively detract from another agency's work because it, it, it breaks down to people trying to preserve their jobs and preserve their budget. And until you understand that, you can't really understand how these government agencies operate because at the end of the day, it's just people trying to preserve their jobs and to make as much money as possible. And that's just how it is. And that's the unfortunate reality. And if you disagree with that, look at what ATF did in the 90s. Tell me that that's not evidence of agencies acting in their own interests over the interests of whatever the fuck they're trying to actually do. Right. So could the men in black be part of one agency? 
Possibly. But what agency would that be? Say would be the most likely target, but a lot of times... I, go, I think it's their own separate agency. You think it's their own thing that isn't even on the record? No. See, a lot of times they report themselves if they do have to identify themselves, and usually the men in black don't identify themselves. But if they Normally, do... they don't. If they do, it's always like Air Force intelligence is what they've said. I read this story of... Was it a journalist? I can't remember. Somebody got approached by a men in black, and he said he was from NORAD. Yeah, I've heard that story before. Yeah, which is interesting. Uh, I read that most of the time they show like a white card and they just say they're they're from the government. And, yeah. And, and they don't really, and the white card is basically nothing. See, my one theory real quick, we got to get this episode wrapped up. But my one theory yeah. was that there have always been these UFO investigative organizations that are civilian run. My one theory is that, is that the men in black are these guys, these like <laughs> civilian idiots. Sure. As government imposters, basically. Yeah. Where they're pretending to be government agents <laughs> so they can get the real lowdown on whatever they think happened because they believe in this shit. So you have a big sighting that happens. They want to know everything about it. They show up claiming to be government agencies and they're confiscating everything. Yeah, it, it's unreal. Like of their nerdy interests, basically. Like the the thing that gets me the most about this about this shit is the cases where they're not reported to anybody but they still show up. Yeah, and that's that that's what gets in, me. That happened in Robert Richardson's case that I talked about. The second time, he never told anybody that he recovered metal from the site. They came and they talked about the metal immediately. And they show up right away. Yeah. It's like, how is that possible? Even in the, the earliest the earliest encounters of the Men in Black was in the, the late 40s. And then the, the majority of the encounters happened through the 50s, 60s, 70s. Yeah. And it's like, how did they, how were they able to know what the fuck was going on that quickly and show up that quickly? Even human government agencies aren't going to be able to show up that quickly. Exactly. And there's another story too I read that dated back to 1880. <laughs> Seriously. And it wasn't the men yeah. in black per se, but it was people that saw like a UFO and uh, an artifact fell from it. And somebody came in and immediately paid a huge sum of money for that artifact that fell off of the supposed UFO. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's no way they could have known that this thing fell off of this thing. All of a sudden, they're showing up claiming it's very important and they need to buy it. Anyways. Anyways, that's about all I got. That's about all we got on that discussion, the men in black. It is a very deep topic. You have to be kind of careful as to how you research it because it is kind of tough. Like, Google wasn't helping us at all. Most of my research was just searching through different subreddits on Reddit and then using different browsers outside of Google because men in black, you Google that, you're all going to is the movie shit. Yeah, in various books, but you're yeah. not going to find, like, a lot of articles. or Yeah, but abovetopsecret.com, check that place out. There's a lot of information there, a lot of good stuff. There's a cool Netflix show called Hangar One, and they got a Men in Black episode. That's pretty good. Yep, and then uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved has an episode on their Supernatural. You can find that on Hulu. Uh, there are some other places. Like This is a relatively common topic that you can find in different in different places. Uh, so. Thoughtcatalog.com is where I got some of my some of my shit. Yeah, uh, there was a, I can't remember what the hell I was at, like the highest or something, mm-hmm. .com. But there was a lot of information out there. Anyways, uh, on that note, uh, please tweet us at 30 in the... If you have ever been visited by the Men in Black, tweet us at 30 in the, or comment on our Facebook page. Yes, please comment on Facebook. Thank you guys for listening. That was the Men in Black discussion. This is probably not going to be Aliens part whatever. This is probably going to be its own thing, but this is very closely tied in with the Alien series. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please listen to those. Please listen to the remote viewing episode, which is also kind of tied in, and Skinwalker Ranch. I've heard some Men in Black Skinwalker Ranch stories too before. Oh, yeah, definitely. Anyways, please tweet us. Please post on Facebook. Please keep listening. Please keep telling everybody about the show. Let us know if you guys have any topics you guys want us talking about. Yes, but it is time to get out of here. So Peace.
Is his name seriously Daedalus? D-I-D-E-L-I-U-S. Let's say a Roman name. Daedalus. There's probably an Emperor Daedalus out there. There's a uh, uh, there's a Daedalus Diggle in Harry Potter. It's a character called Daedalus Diggle. Daedalus Daedalus Diggle. God, you can just cut all that. Yeah. Daedalus Diggle. I think that's his name. Ireland's National Police Force, the Garda Siochana, Siochana, I think that's how you, I don't know how you say that. I think it's Siochana, China, Siochana, S-I-O-C-H-A-N-A. Siochana. Siochana, okay. Cut. This dude answers with no shirt on. <laughs> What is happening? And nobody knows what this note says. Do you want to know what Trump wrote to Joe Biden? And what? (laughs) It's just three words. Fuck Joe Biden. No, let's go Brandon. Oh, let's go Brandon. (laughs) Anyways. Sorry. No, you're Ah. good.